Sometimes good. I'll crush up Honey Nut Cheerios and put it on my peanut butter and jelly uh, sandwiches. Yeah? Yeah, and then put it in there. Oh my god, it's probably yeah. awesome. It's really good. <laughs> I've never thought of that. I thought you were joking at first. <laughs> if you're joking, I'm not. You guys do a you guys do a chips on sandwiches? I'm a chips on sandwich guy. Like oh yeah. yeah. I get obsessive about it. Like every bite has to have a chip. If I go to Subway, uh, We just started. You're on the show, babe. You're on the show, fiance. Look at that. Yeah. We shall not go sober. You ever get crush nice, up Cheerios in your Belgian beers? Get a nice, uh, uh, like a tuna melt. Subway. Yeah. If, you know, if you take the sour cream and onion chips, you smash the bag like you're angry at it. Crunch oh. it up real good. Dabble the little chips, chiplets, the little crumbs all over your sandwich. Let the cheese get in there. Guys, I don't even want to do the episode now. I want to... I'm, I might have to, we might have to get that Subway endorsement. I would do that at a regular yeah. deli. Too. You could probably do the same thing with like making chicken cutlets. Like you, instead of breadcrumbs and stuff, you just don't know, Fritos. Up. Wow. Oh yeah. Fritos. Yeah, Fritos with that. Right in there in the fryer. Yeah. Take little strips. I feel like we're like we're we're slowly veering towards like where they make those prison burritos on YouTube. Yeah, it's you know, not, we're, we're, we're not going up. Where they take the weakest man in prison <laughs> and they roll. <laughs> They roll them up in a bed yeah. sheet. <laughs> oh, my God. No, shout to uh, Sophia's Deli right around the corner there. Yeah. Bob and Terry holding it down for 20-plus years. Uh, local Huntington Station businessman. Um, salute those gentlemen. I just I went there to get my little, uh, what I get? I got a little uh, array of fine snacks. I got a little Snapple. I got a little potato chip. You got what they give you uh, first class in American Airlines. Yeah, a little potpourri. Yeah, I really. <laughs> I got a little potpourri here. It was it was the last minute things I could grab without sounding like a total sloppy, slobbing mess eating a sandwich like we're talking about on the podcast. In case you didn't know, I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Beer Me. How you doing, guys? Who are you? I'm Do good. I know you? I'm Tom. I'm good. Also, oh, uh, yes. Cheers or something. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone so, knows your name. I was thinking about um, one of the funniest times that I almost died. Huh. All right. All right. So, uh, Tom, we were on the, we were on tour, and I think you were you had to be driving because you're always driving. Um, so I was sleeping. You mean? Yeah, you were taking a nap. I wouldn't <laughs> want to be on tour with you driving, <laughs> Justin. No taking one, one of your famous sixty and sixty-five mile an hour naps, <laughs> dude. Um, so I was I was very uh, high on drugs in the back uh, seat, laying down, and allegedly, I, allegedly, allegedly, and I was enjoying um, I was enjoying a bag of beef jerky, which was like rare for me because I didn't have any money at all so right. somebody like out of the goodness of their heart must have brought me a, a bag of beef jerky or someone uh, from the forgetfulness of their brain this is like Charles, Charles, Charles Dickens-esque yeah. now yeah. yeah so uh so I remember eating the beef jerky and just like you know constantly just in and out of the bag out of the bag in my mouth this and that uh to which uh I reach into the bag and I notice that the bag is completely empty oh no now with a bag of beef jerky you know it should never be completely empty. Uh-huh. There should be always be that one little packet of uh, moisture-sucking uh, yeah, silica. Yeah. Goodwill, dry yeah. them up. Exactly. Yeah. That uh, yeah. that forbidden saltine, if you will. You Did know? you ever eat that while you were drunk? Well, this is the, the, this uh, was my life for the next, uh, as I monitored my kind of health uh, situation for the next 45 minutes of, did I eat uh, this special, <laughs> this sweet plastic piece of the cow, or this additive, or did it merely fall out? Uh, or you know, cut Was it ever there to begin with? Yeah. Was it ever there? Who are we suing? I don't know, but I never knew. Uh, I never found out. 
uh, but I'm, I'm here to tell the tale. My name's Justin. How are you guys doing? I I, I feel like you extremely well. You lent all of the nuance and depth of an Opeth album <laughs> to that story about the, the the beef jerky little silicone thing or whatever it is. I, I like that. I like. That. I work, this is why we need you back on the Heavy Hole Podcast, Justin. The listeners missed you. Tom missed you. I missed you. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry for my absence, guys. You know when you stand in the waves and uh, the, your feet get buried? Uh, you know, you stand there long enough without moving? That happened to my whole body. Uh, wow. Uh, so I've just now crawled out of the surf uh, thanks to a uh, mid-moon cycle low tide. Uh, hmm. Bring my head above the sand in the water. Are, are you just reading, like, Bathory lyrics now or something? <laughs> okay, Tom, what's going on with you? Not much. <laughs> Apparently yeah. so. I, I can't report anything. I've been busy. I've been sleepy. In I've front of that awake. computer a lot, huh? Yeah, dude. All right, guy. I don't have time for anything. I don't mm-hmm. even call C-sharp C-sharp anymore. I just call it Seash when I'm on the go. <laughs> <laughs> someone says, hey, what are you doing? I interrupt them. I can't I, do it because I only have one voice, but, you know, ask me. I'm so Learn Seash. I'm that's so computer inept. I think you're trying to make music jokes right now still. I don't even know that that's a computer program. Oh, uh, well, yeah. that's that's for you music nerds out there. Uh, Dying Fetus tunes to C Sharp. Dying Fetus mm. playing in Patchogue, East Long Island. Wow. Yeah. November. Getting mm-hmm. back. The roads yeah. are back open. They, uh, I mean, they're playing it safe. They're playing with, like, Terror and, like, three other hardcore bands. Got to bring the kids in. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're playing it safe for, for East Long Island. I mean, safe is a funny word to use there, but, you know, they're definitely going to... They're hedging their bets in terms of support acts. I'll just say that. Right. Uh, I, I, I might go. I also might hire personal security. Like, you know, you see that guy, uh, Takashi 69 He's always got the big... Like ex cops, cops yeah, on their yeah. day off, guys. Uh-huh. That's gonna be me at the Dying Fetus show because it's gonna be a different breed of Long Islander that goes to see Terror and Dying Fetus in Patchogue. Did I did I mention Patchogue? Yeah, of all towns, beautiful town, I, very ooh. aggressive sometimes. Well, yeah, the, up and coming, but always been. The only way you could lose more teeth is if they just hold it at like a Mastic Shirley VFW. Um, but. Yeah, so that, that there's that. That's nice. That is, it is nice. It's nice little things for Long Island. I Testament, Death Angel, and that whole thing coming through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think next week or something, man. There's a, a little buzz here and there. Suffocation. Yeah. Afterburn. Yeah, uh, uh, turtle bleeding. You know. Starting to, starting to percolate a little bit. Yeah, a little death metal show's coming back. I like it, man. I like it, man. I'm, uh, I'm you know, we're trying, to, we're trying to hold it down, man. I'm building a little deck. Still building the deck out back. Using torques? Uh, what's that? Using torques? I, I need to I think I might use to like is that like the, the the thing where you you put your lock your legs in and you float upside down like, uh, like Bruce Wayne that's not Re- what I meant but okay. that's what I wish I meant that's how my back feels like uh, I need to do one of like yeah. like what, what was Michael Keaton Batman right that was the one where he was he was locked up he in was, the board and he flipped himself up upside down for his posture yeah uh, I need that Batman oh, yeah. could never really turn his neck uh, in the 90s yeah really so the inversion table that's what uh, yeah, I, oh, need, yeah. I need like an inversion table built for uh, a Sasquatch to handle my my Manly girth. Yeah, I got to talk to Jeff Sisson. From, yeah, uh, get him on the line. See if he's got a troglodyte-sized uh, version. Yeah, some kind of rope snare out in the woods. Oh yeah, boy, yeah. <laughs> it's actually uh, the unexpected yeah. inversion. Surprise. <laughs> Let me surprise your spine back in alignment, man. Th- that might be fun to set up in Patchogue. Get a few well, of those set up. Yeah, listen, guys, find. you could catch yourself a bodyguard and you tame him. 
you domesticate him to protect you and your family. Is that out there? You I just think, leave the I, I think I think you're just doing treatment for your Harry and the Hendersons uh, uh, trilogy that you're that you're pitching to yeah. Hollywood again. <laughs> you just leave a few snares out in the back alley behind Seven Eleven or something like this. But we're not going to Hollywood tonight. We're going to Oklahoma City, and we're going to talk to Luther Manhole, guitarist of upcoming band Chatpile. We're going to get to the bottom of it, right? Yeah, sounds like a plan. Yeah. Very excited. You know so what's fun. not in my plan? Using the obligatory let's have a chat pun, all right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like I'm not, that. I'm not going to pile it on. All right, come on. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, joined by my loyal co-hosts, Tom and Justin. Yo, yo. <laughs> and tonight, our guest is none other than Luther Manhole of the band Chat Pile from Oklahoma City. Did I get that right, sir? Yes, that is, that is correct. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Um, and uh, I did get that right. You guys are from Oklahoma City? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're all, we all basically live in the same kind of like five mile area from each other just in the in the north side of the city okay and you know right off the top i want to get into your background and stuff but right off the top i found out something kind of interesting to me anyway from the research today the name itself chat pile if i got it right it actually is a name that references kind of toxic leftovers from uh mining that went on in pitcher oklahoma yeah so there, there's a couple documentaries about it and stuff but there's a super fun site uh, in, the, in northeast Oklahoma, kind of near the Missouri and Kansas borders in Pitcher, Oklahoma. Uh, and yeah, it basically, during World War One and before, it was a big like uh, lead mining, you know, uh, town. And so the basically the waste created from that is super toxic. It's called chat. And when you're up there, I mean, it, it's not just like little tiny piles of stuff i mean it looks like i mean it's like mountains of toxic waste that are up there basically and it caused like insane birth defects for years and uh it's actually uh at one point i know they said it was the most toxic place on the planet uh just because uh, it also got hit by a tornado i think in the 80s or 90s and then and, like, uh, that shook every yeah, so, i mean it's just up. a ghost town now and it's when we were thinking of names our, our bassist in he that was one that he put down and it kind of just fit because we wanted to kind of make I don't know, ugly music from, you know, kind of about a place that people don't really think about at all, which is the Southern Plains. And uh, so, yeah, it just kind of fit. Okay. And now getting into your background, I want to talk a little bit more about starting of of the band and all that sort of thing. But uh, are you from Oklahoma City originally? So I moved around a lot as a kid. My, My dad's side of the family is all from Buffalo, New York. So I lived in Buffalo for a long time, too. Uh, I basically split going to school in Oklahoma City and in Buffalo. Uh, that's but, that's yeah, pretty... yeah, I've been back here for, for a while, but uh, the other guys in the band, they, they're all uh, kind of from uh, our, our, our vocalist, Ray. He, he was from Ponca City, which is kind of a smaller town up north in Oklahoma. And uh, our bassist and drummer are brothers, and they grew up uh, out in the country. 
Uh, but then, you know, basically kind of what everyone does when you live in a state like this is you grow up in a place like that and then you kind of just converge on one of the two main cities. Either people just move to either Tulsa or Oklahoma City. Uh, okay. But yeah, so, so yeah, we've been there. But yeah, no, I, I, spent, I spent a good amount of time in Buffalo too, which is very different from Oklahoma City. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about um, spending, you know, your childhood growing up between Oklahoma City and Buffalo. Could you speak to the differences a little bit and maybe what you might have seen in one place that you wouldn't see in the other? I mean, Oklahoma City is just a much newer place. I mean, we've been Oklahoma's just been a state way, a way shorter amount of time than New York has, obviously. And so a lot of Oklahoma, honestly, has just started being built in the 70s and, and, and more recently than that. And, you know, you go to a place like Buffalo and you know, there's building. There's there are actually buildings that have been around for over a hundred years there, yeah. and uh, it's it's weird because I always feel like places like Oklahoma, where it is very uh, kind of right wing here, and there's a lot of like racist shitheads and stuff. It's like there there is still a, a good amount of that in uh, in Buffalo, New York, as well. It's it's honestly kind of surprising how similar places can be in that way. Uh, when you know you would think that some place like Oklahoma would just be you know nonstop. Uh, you know, racist pricks and stuff, but uh, I don't know. It, it's uh, it's different. There's there's a lot less chains in Buffalo. I mean, there's probably more now, but you know, it's just it's a lot more going to uh, local restaurants and stuff up there. And you know, it's a Rust Belt city, so there's just there's a lot of depression in, in Buffalo. You know, it's it's just you just see the abandoned steel mills, and uh, you know, a lot of people. You know, it's a it was, it's a poor city. Uh, but I love Buffalo and I love Oklahoma City. They're both, I, I feel like they're both places that I, I definitely got, I don't know, they, they kind of shaped who I am and kind of my outlook on things. Uh, oh, okay, man. Yeah, that's, that, there's a lot there. That's interesting to me. Um, and we kind of skipped over the typical heavy hole intro question. I do want to ask you, are you from a particularly musical family? Are there other musicians in your family or maybe even people that guided you towards extreme music of some kind? And I would just add to that, how did bouncing between the two regions affect your musical development? Um, I, I won't even put my own uh, uh, presumptions in there. Yeah, so my dad is a full-time musician. He uh, he basically, you know, he does like the play plays bars and and weddings and private parties and stuff, doing you know covers like Stevie Wonder songs and you know Elton John and yeah, Beatles covers and stuff like that. And, He's been doing that. Before that, he worked in the school business, working for universities. But then, basically, around the year 2000, he um, just really didn't want to do that anymore and tried the super fucking scary thing of uh, <laughs> playing music or making art for a living. Uh, so, I mean, he always really uh, pushed me to try and learn stuff. You know, I I was in band in school. You know, I was actually I play guitar in this band, but you know, I uh, I started uh, in percussion. I did drumline. Uh, through high school uh, and then yeah one of, one of my cousins in Oklahoma is like who was like my closest I, I don't have any siblings so I'm an only child but uh, I, I basically grew up with these two cousins in Oklahoma and in, in New York that are basically like my brothers and the, uh, both of them you know we all got into heavy music and stuff and basically you know, just as a kid playing with my cousin Taylor in, in, uh, in Oklahoma City him and I were in you know, a million bands that never really did anything, never put anything out, you know, write some songs and then play a show maybe. But uh, it's basically just, yeah, those two guys, my dad, and honestly, my, my grandpa's a saxophone player. Uh, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of music in the family, even though 
my dad's the only one who really tried to to make that his you know his his life and uh you know he 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 does well for himself i mean he he's been you know it was really hard for him this past year like it was for basically all people who you know live off of art just with covid and not being able to play and stuff but uh, well, you guys you with know. Chat Pile, you canceled uh, a, a tour, right? Right before yeah. the COVID uh, uh, thing happened. Yeah. So we, we were gonna. I mean, cause all of us in the band have day jobs and stuff, and we're, we're probably not gonna. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if uh, there there's enough market for uh, kind of niche noise rock music for us to all uh, quit our jobs at this point. But so you know, we we don't tour a lot. Is basically what I'm getting at. We don't really uh, play out a lot, but. Yeah, we had basically our first like long tour scheduled starting in May of last year, where we were just going to kind of, you know, play play that Midwest loop of going up to Minneapolis and Chicago and all that stuff. And yeah, that I mean that was in May, so that obviously got pushed. And uh, we we actually played a couple shows with Portrayal of Guilt, like right basically the weekend before all that shit shut down in March. We were up with them in Houston and Baton Rouge, and they were really great shows. And it you know I'm sure like. For anyone in a, in a band, it, it really just, you know, kind of squashed a lot of stuff for us. Just, you know, we had all, all this stuff planned and booked and, you know, even stuff that wasn't announced booked. And it just, you know, we pretty much all just had to take a big time out for a year. But at the end of the day, it, it kind of, it gave us more time to uh, work on writing our album and stuff and, and just spend more time on that. And, uh, you know, I think coming out the other side of it, it's, it's going to be okay for us. Uh, yeah, well, and you mentioned writing your album, which I do want to get to, but I don't want to um, look over your earlier releases. Uh, if I got it right, May 2019 was your first release, the This Dungeon Earth four-song four EP, right? Yeah, yep, that was the first thing. We we only started the band in February of that year. Uh, Stin and I, our bassist, we uh, just kind of had been joking around about just trying something. Neither of us had been in bands for a couple of years, and, uh, you know, it kind of sucks when you're putting a whole bunch of effort into music and no one really cares so we both kind of just took a break from music for a while and then uh we were just like hey maybe we should jam sometime uh because we'd never done it before and yeah that was in february of 19 and then we uh yeah by may we because we, we self-record and, and mix and all that stuff so we just recorded it ourselves and, and just put it out you know uh independently uh, and it, it, it did it did all right you know some people listened to it and it was cool and then yeah the second one is kind of more where I think a couple more places picked it up a little bit and then that it kind of got passed around a bit and that that's when we kind of started getting some more fans I guess and you're talking about uh, November 2019's Remove Your Skin Please uh, another yes. four song EP and uh, what I want to ask you though is talking about these older releases the, the earlier releases when you're getting the band together um, formulating your ideas uh, this may sound like an odd question. Like, obviously, we're more of an extreme metal, death metal podcast, and you guys do fall within that 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 territory. But let me ask you, what role does death metal uh, and extreme metal play in your influences uh, and maybe different members of the band's um, listening rotation and what they want to bring to the table? Because what I what I perceive as a listener when I'm listening to Chat Pile is that there's definitely some death metal maybe in the toolbox somewhere. Yeah, I mean, especially for me and Sten, our bassist, like we, him and I are the big death metal guys. Like our our uh, vocalist and drummer, uh, they listen, they're, they're, you know, elite super soldiers. They know a, a shit ton about music, but they're neither of them are metal guys really at all, you know, beyond like, you know, Sabbath and, and stuff like that. Like, 
so it's it's more so Sten and I who, you know, him and I both listen to a ton of death metal. I like a lot of grind. I mean, for me, like, Gore Guts is just, like, such a huge band. Just, just how, like, fucking wonky all the guitar parts are and just how Luke from that band kind of uses his guitar kind of as texture, kind of in a way that reminds me of noise rock bands rather than just, like, straight up, you know, shreddy riff stuff, which, I mean, I also like stuff like that, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, I'd like to hope that we give off the vibe of, like, there's at least a couple people in the band that definitely listen to a lot of death metal, even though we're not really, like, a death metal band or anything. Uh, and on the new album, there's a couple, there's definitely, a, you know, we snuck a couple uh, death metal riffs in there, but, you know, it's, it's. I think it's it works as a good mix for us, is having, like, a couple guys that are, like, super into extreme music, and then, you know, half the band that doesn't listen to any extreme music at all, really. Um but I don't know. I've just been listening to stuff like that, and I know uh, Sten has as well. You know, since just high school, and it's just, it's just always been something I've really been into. Uh, and you mentioned before Portrayal of Guilt, which is the band that you did a split with uh, this past August. You released uh, one song, uh, a piece, kind of split single, and you mentioned doing shows with them. When I would listen to them, they obviously have a different sound altogether from Chat Pile, but there does mm-hmm. seem to be a common thread maybe between the bands of taking influences from extreme metal uh, and and blending them with, um, I, I don't know, maybe something that, that also has more influences from, like you said, noise rock or uh, just maybe like less metal uh, sources in the rock uh, uh, caliber. Do you see it as maybe um, indicative of, of a, a new wave of music emerging from metal or maybe as a... Uh, a result of the way death metal has gotten so big the last several years and and maybe now this is like a new strain of sound coming out of that i mean that'd be cool i I know a lot of uh a lot of it for us especially with portrayal like i I hate to i don't know if it's going to be a curse word on this show but you know as i'm 31 so a big intro for me (laughs) with metal was bands like corn and slipknot and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so and that's that's really big for them in portrayal too. So, and even then, like the the earlier new metal stuff was taking some cues from you know some of the like, bands like you know Godflesh and Big Black and stuff. It just obviously way more ground down and and on a on a mass scale for a larger audience. But I don't know. I think there's just it's just so easy to find music now, and I just feel like there's this I don't know. I feel like maybe back in the day or you know even 15 years ago it's just kind of you had the thing you were into and you know it, it's kind of hard to to learn about all kinds of stuff but it's just like i feel like a lot of people these days it's just so there's just so much stuff out there it's so easy to find stuff that yeah i think there's just going to be more and more bands that are kind of mixing all these different influences and stuff but i mean even with death metal there's been a real resurgence of a lot of a lot of bands are doing like the OSDM thing right now, which I think is cool. Like you know, there's like really throwing it back to to 80s and 90s metal. But yeah, I mean, there are definitely some some bands who are kind of like, hey, maybe we, you know, I also like Depeche Mode or like new wave music. Maybe we should like throw a little bit of that in there. Or you know, for me, I always say with noise rock, I just I just don't really think I'm very, a very good guitarist. So it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a way for me just to play all my strings at the same time and just say it's a style choice rather than like actually having to get good at playing guitar. Well, but, uh, well, respect. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least you're honest, man. Yeah, uh, but well, <laughs> let's let's talk about that though, because uh, yeah, like new metal has a reputation as being like the dirty word or whatever. But you guys kind of got in front of it at least when you did. Uh, you, you you put out the roots, yeah, roots. bloody roots yeah. cover 
for Flesner Records' uh, new metal compilation um, just this past summer. Now, uh, that, that's what I mean, because what you guys do is very rhythmic. There's kind of like, I don't know, people might, might say there's an industrial influence. People might mention Godflesh or Swans, maybe even Unsane yeah. for like noise rock or something. I don't want to put too many labels on it. Um, but I guess just what what I'm what I'm getting at is I want to get into the influences and maybe what might have driven you to, to do this. Um, you mentioned Depeche Mode. Is that kind of like darker new wave and stuff from the '80s? A big thing for you? Yeah, yeah. They're they're definitely one of my favorite bands. I mean, Martin Gore. Like, I think he's a genius. But I mean, pretty much, I like a lot of the the gothier '80s stuff. You know, Christian Death and really any of the you know any of that type of stuff has always been big for me. And we have a little bit of influence with that. But the new metal stuff, it's just there's always been something about new metal where there's just so much like cringy bullshit with it and. But there's always like a kernel of something cool. Like, it's cool hearing low-tuned guitars play cool rhythms. Like, I don't know. There's something about that that I think is worth like actually kind of exploring without like necessarily having to have like a turntable guy or like do a Fred Durst thing. Huh. You know, like but there's there's something cool about it that I just you know I think it's worth mining. You know, I don't want to necessarily. You know, like I say, add a, a turntable to chat pile or anything. Yeah, or, it'd be fun. Yeah, or yeah. go down that route. But well, we uh, we had a similar conversation with Pete from the band Replicant from New Jersey, yeah, which is a totally sick. Yeah, yeah, totally different sound and style. But the idea being that new metal was a huge movement in music that is going to end up being more influential as people from that generation get older and make bands and and glean from it what you can. You know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Now. I, I read that you guys had a hard time getting booked to play shows when you first started out. <laughs> Is that true, first of all? And would you attribute that maybe to the kind of style, like the hard-to-categorize thing you got, you guys have going on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just weird because there's, there's a lot of stuff in Oklahoma City that I love. And, like, all the DIY spaces and the people in the punk scene here are great. And they've been really supportive of us. And we're actually playing a benefit show next month to for... They're trying to open a new DIY spot here in town that'll be like kind of like a mixed art space and stuff. But yeah, we definitely definitely with like the bigger. There's only a couple places in town that are doing. You know, if a touring metal band or touring hardcore band comes through, there's only a few places in town that are uh, that that's going to happen at. And I don't know. We've all played in those sh like in those venues over the years and in various bands and stuff. But it's just one of those things where you know at least towards the beginning. It definitely was having to, you know, try to beg to get put on shows you're not even getting paid for or anything, which sucks, and I honestly just don't really want to ever do again. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's just weird. There definitely, <laughs> there was one venue here that uh, all of us in different bands have played at before, and when we, at there there was there was some, it was, it was kind of a, like a punk show, it wasn't anything like too extreme, but... We asked if we could get booked on that, and they basically just sent us an email saying, "Don't ever ask to play here again. Your your type of music is not wanted here." <laughs> Which is just like, okay, I guess. I mean, I think we're pretty fun live. Like our our front man Reagan, he's like, I feel like he really puts on a show, and uh, it's just I don't know. It's kind of weird because sometimes I feel like we're maybe we are maybe a little too metal for some of the the indie or, or punk places, and then we're a little too punk for any of the other <laughs> bars or anything like that but it's been fine though because honestly being able to play shows out of state and you know we're not that far from texas and you know we, we just played in, in uh, denton outside of dallas last week and we're we're playing 
um, some some shows out of state uh, actually this weekend and, and and next month as well. So uh, it's just weird. Oklahoma City's a weird place. Uh, if we were in a metalcore band, I'd say we'd probably have a lot better time <laughs> getting sure. back here. You could say that for but, a, a lot of places. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, let but, me ask I mean, you this: that seems to be kind of the thing, but. Uh, it's fine though. I mean, whenever we do play shows here, you know, we play house shows here and, you know, whenever, you know, there was a, a warehouse space here that we played a Halloween show at and it was awesome. And there's just a ton of kids there that were just ready to have a good time. And, uh, I love stuff like that. You know, I really like playing DIY spaces and stuff like that kind of more so than, than, uh, than bigger venues just because I don't know, I, <laughs> the type of stuff we're doing and, you know, we use an electronic drum kit and stuff. Sometimes I'd rather just not even have to fucking deal with the sound guy, honestly, and just yeah. <laughs> play in a warehouse with our amps, you know, I think well, it kind of works a little better for us. So. Let, let me, cause you, you mentioned, um, the electronic drum kit there. Uh, I wanted to get into a little bit about your sound. Um, and if, if you pull off live kind of the, the drum style you do in the studio, which it sounds like you, you do with the electric drums live. So we played our first few shows with the, with the E-Kit and we initially kind of started it like doing that. It wasn't initially a style choice. Uh, it was just like, Hey, let's try to be a little quieter at practice. Cause we're, I don't know, it's just easy to get the fucking cops called on you. <laughs> like, uh, so we, we thought, Hey, maybe we could do that to be a little quieter. But then we were just like, I don't know, we really like, you know, we mentioned it earlier, but bands like Godflesh and Big Black. So after we were listening to kind of our demos, we're like, maybe we should just use the electronic drum sound. But instead of like, you know, programming the drums, we just have, you know, a drummer actually playing it instead of uh, programming it or anything. Uh, so we did do the, the like the e-kit at a few shows. And honestly, it just all, it didn't never really sound good. We always sounded too quiet. And uh, so the past few shows after that, we were playing with an acoustic kit with triggers, uh, like with triggers on the the snare and bass, just to make them a little bit more mechanical sounding. Uh, And for this run of shows, I think think we're just doing that again. I mean, eventually I'd like to find a way. I mean, ideally we become a band that lots of people listen to and we can afford to have a person just do sound for us. But I, you know, that's, (laughs) I don't know if that's gonna happen, but because uh, if that happened, it'd be a lot easier just to like have a person who's able to kind of get the the e kit to work. I mean, if any of you have ever worked with triggers ever, it is terrible. They're so finicky. Yeah, like it's it's, it's just a nightmare. So lately, we've just been doing the acoustic kit and just trying to make it work. But you know, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> I'd, I'd, li- I'd love to just do the full electronic drum uh, sound, but it's just it's been a you know not as easy to get working you could in theory get like a digital mixer and just send a two track out to the sound guy and yeah like you know kind of be interesting take less work off their end because they they don't know what they're doing it's not you know Mm -hmm. not not that they're trying to screw you but they don't know what you want to do or play i mean i don't even blame them half the time it's just you know it's just a it's an uncommon setup to try and do live so it's just, I mean, I get it that it's just like, you know, there's a couple shows where I could just tell the sound guy was like, oh man, do I really have to deal with this shit? Like yeah. getting this e-kit set up and, uh, I like the Mike like, the amp idea. Justin just said, that's a good idea too. Oh yeah. Run, run the keyboard run the, amp, yeah. run the V drums through like a keyboard amp and then mic the amp. Yeah. That, I mean, that's literally what we were doing is through a, uh, we were using a, a Roland jazz chorus and then just some yeah. Ampeg wedge monitor for the bass and, uh, that, that, that was like we played a warehouse show with that and it actually sounded really good I mean it kind of just sounded like in our practice space but 
for some reason, the couple times we tried to do that, it just, I don't know, maybe that was just a case of the sound guy maybe just not turning us up loud enough or something, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there will be a way eventually for us to figure out a way to kind of make that work a little bit, but it's still, you know, um, it's still just a guy playing drums, so, you know, yeah. and he has a drum set, <laughs> so we can just bring that for the time being. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the. I, you remember my drum set? No, play this computer, please. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting to me though that it kind of originated out of a um, more necessity trying trying to not get your rehearsal shut down by the cops. Uh, yeah, because I mean we're 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 practicing at our bass's house in the city where I mean, luckily we've never had any trouble with that. It's it's more just like residual stuff from I mean when I lived in Buffalo and playing in bands, it probably was because I was in like a. You know, I have like an Ampeg V4, which is less like a super loud amp. And like, I just, every single practice got shut down by police up there. So it might've just been some residual uh, fear of that happening. But honestly, it kind of worked out because I think it kind of gave us a, a, a unique sound a little bit. Cause you know, you hear the kind of industrial sound, but I think you can also tell that it's a person playing it. it it's not, you know, you know, we don't even record to a metronome or anything. So, uh, it's all you know pretty loose is kind of our vibe i feel yeah, yeah. no exactly and and kind of on that note that vibe i have a random question i might be completely off base here tell me if i'm right or wrong something i heard especially when i was listening to brutal truth uh your single not the band but your single uh on the split seven inch uh, the upcoming split seven inch and uh, digital split release for now with portrayal of guilt was the butthole surfers you mentioned texas before uh, I just got to get it out there because it popped in my mind, maybe from my frame of reference, from nor- more noisy, loose bands. Is, is that Does that play any role in any of you guys' uh, influences? Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure all of us listen to Butthole Surfers. I, I, I will say the big one for that song specifically, other than even though it's not a grind song, but, you know, it, the, the title Brutal Truth is a direct reference to uh, the Brutal Truth album, uh, Sounds of the Animal Kingdom. Mm. Uh, but uh, because it's that, like the, it's that insane cover of the dude like turning into a gorilla. Yeah, kind of what the song yeah. is about. Yeah. Uh, but Nir- actually, like Nirvana was kind of like the bigger kind of thing for us with that song. It was kind of uh, us trying to do a take on just that verse-chorus kind of grunge style. All, all of us are. I mean, and even though uh, the whole surfers are from Texas and aren't uh, necessarily a grunge band, you know, still similar era in some ways, and you know listening you know when i was a kid listening to bands like nirvana and sonic youth and you know butthole surfers are right in there as well for sure uh awesome yeah well yeah nirvana i would say too kind of because there's definitely some kind of grunge going on like i said there's a um a confluence of influences going on with the band that's a little bit hard to categorize for some people um and yeah, you, you uh you guys uh talked about us on a pod i think last year you, you played a song of ours or something and i think you will you called it like you said death grunge and then we put that in our uh <laughs> we put that in our uh instagram bio awesome uh, i don't kind of like i really liked that description because yeah i mean i'm not trying to be like hey we invented some new thing i mean at the end of the day we're just playing you know you know downtuned noisy music but uh, I really liked that because yeah a lot you know we're, we all loved you know a lot of the bigger grunge bands and or just grunge in general. Tad is a big band for us uh, in this band, but uh, yeah, it's, I think it kind of captured what we were kind of go, going for, which is kind of trying to take those influences and just make it, uh, you know, something that we want to listen to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I brought you guys uh, up on the podcast 
mo- like maybe weeks or months after you had played your first show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was it was like a, a, a lucky day strolling through Bandcamp. Um, yeah, I don't know, like, because we've never done much like outreach to try and like get people to listen to us, which is obviously. I guess why people have found us because you know we've tried in other bands to <laughs> kind of get our names out there and nothing really worked. So of course the time when we're like you know screw it we're not gonna do like any press or <laughs> anything and that's the actual project that people find and listen to. But, <laughs> yeah, that's how it uh, happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's how it happens. But uh, yeah, it's just it's been crazy because I mean I've just been so it's still just so weird because you know it's not like we're you know a huge band or anything but it's just been crazy you know we only have like nine we have like 30 minutes of music people can listen to and people have just been so cool and like and just kind and uh just like really rabid about us which is just so weird to me still like i'm still you know we we it's i don't we haven't even played 10 shows as a band like i love it yeah i mean because like we started in 2019 and then we were basically right as we were ramping up COVID happened so you know, we played our first show in 19 months last weekend. Wow. Uh, so it's just it's just been weird. Like I'm just like, man, we don't have a ton of stuff out there. I'm I'm very glad that <laughs> people seem to be resonating with it, and uh, it's still just kind of surreal to me that people actually uh, are listening to any of this shit because we're kind of just like going to our you know practice space and smoking pot and drinking Miller High Life and <laughs> just like dicking around. And allegedly, especially you know, it's not it's not uh, uh, legal down there right from I don't think, man. Allegedly. It is. We oh, have the weed here. Okay, yeah. man. I, I'm I'm in uh, New York. We're kind of we're kind of just still celebrating it. It's only been a few months. Yeah, it's well, it's just it's just medical here. <laughs> but oh, okay, well, you, the you, laws are so loose that there's no precondition like pre-existing con- or you don't there's no condition qualifications. That's what I'm trying was, to say. Like I was born. You literally, <laughs> yeah. none. You go on a Zoom call and the doctor says, "Do you want weed?" and you say yes, and then they send you the form and you pay a hundred dollars and that's it. All right, like, it's, it's ridiculous. Ass. Don't mess it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, say it's wild yes. here. You're allowed to smoke it anywhere. You're allowed to smoke cigarettes in Oklahoma, and you're still allowed to smoke cigarettes in bars here. So it's like Dude. it's like the wild west out here right now. <laughs> that's know, crazy. I'm about to. That's a very intriguing about Oklahoma. Right C- now. Cigarettes and bars always. When I would go on tour back when I used to go on tour, it's brutal. It, it, <laughs> well, for me, it's because like, I do the vocals and I would oh, just yeah. like walk. Yeah, man. And there's something about cigarette smoke that's just different from weed smoke. Yeah. That just kills your your voice. Oh your yeah. Throat, I mean, I, I smoked for years. I finally quit last last January, like right before the pandemic started. And even then, as a smoker, like going to smoky bars, it like doesn't even matter. Like secondhand smoke just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude. I want to find this out for myself. Your, yeah. It, I'm sorry, I want to find something myself. I just love cigarettes. I still love secondhand smoke more than Ugh. anything. Yeah. Oh, I still. I mean, I've only been quit for. I mean, it'll. It's almost two years, but I still have dreams about smoke. I'm definitely not one of those smokers that's like, and, and it's disgusting. I'm just like, I, I, I wish I could still smoke. I just, you know, I'm just trying not to. It's the best. I, I started when I was too <laughs> young. I mean, I'm 31. And I smoked for like 17 years, so wow. it's just like. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> just just wanted to try and quit. If I wasn't inside oh, good for my you, friend's man. house right now, I'd smoke a cigarette right <laughs> right now on the air. Damn it! Uh, I was I mean I was smoking a pack two packs a day, so yeah, oh. I was right there. Wow. 
That's that's a lot. That's a lot of smoke. That's well, congrats yeah. on your on your quidditch. You know, we're all yeah. Well, thank you. That, that's why I'm I'm just fishing for compliments now. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. The props for quitting smoke. No, two we're, packs we're a talking. day is no. That, two packs a day is like what the World War II veterans used to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, <laughs> like a sure. guy a guy your age, two packs a day is a lot. Yeah, in my twenties, just like <laughs> blasting them, just being a idiot. But yeah, let's not talk about it too much, or else we're just gonna light up after this. <laughs> Yeah, these guys, <laughs> yeah, these guys are gonna need a little smoke break, man. But I'll, I'll keep going. Like I don't salivating. Care, <laughs> so, so what? L- l- let me ask you this too. With the we talked a little bit about how it maybe it was a little hard to get get you guys booked in certain places, and it's a little hard to categorize the sound. Has it gotten you guys any like listeners that you didn't expect? Any anybody hitting you up and punishing you with the weird questions? Anybody kind of maybe? <laughs> Wanting to think you guys are into stuff you're not, I, you know, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm looking, oh. I'm looking at some of the weird industrial people out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel bad for our vocalist because he's such a good dude, and like, you know, we make dark music and stuff, but I think a lot of people just like misconstrue it and think that, oh, well, since they're making music about this, they must be like dark, serious weirdos all the time, <laughs> and it's just like it, those, they're not autobiographical songs, you know. It, I kind of look at it like, you know, we want to like tell like interesting stories and stuff because like our story all our songs are kind of like story songs you know our vocals is kind of like doing different characters and stuff and telling stories basically and i feel like when people hear songs about like you know uh infanticide or uh just like uh, our song crawl space is about like a cop who has like cannibalistic ideations and stuff it's like we're not like saying that's cool (laughs) or anything like that you know it's more just like we we love horror movies. We we think there's a weird darkness to this part of the country we live in, and like I think that there are definitely times when people get the wrong idea <laughs> about like what we're trying to say, like especially with some stuff like that. Because it's like it's not yeah, it's not like we're just like Haha, isn't it so cool to like like kill people or whatever? You know what I mean? Like I don't know. There's it's, like a there's an edginess that people tr- want to portray sometimes, um, you know, on, for various reasons, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's a, a thing with extreme music in general, and some bands kind of lean into it, and some don't, and you know, I think a lot of times it's the fans who kind of run with it a little bit too much. But you know, luckily we've had a lot, you know, just a lot of enthusiastically positive people yeah. talking, you know, talking to us and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are definitely some <laughs> some weirdos out there that are like, I'm just like, man, are we gonna get like killed at a show by this guy or something? You know, like huh, I just don't, I don't know if we're gonna get like Mark David Chapman oh, at some point, like someone life. that like takes yeah. our stuff too seriously. I, I listened to a uh, Dallas Beltway and then I immediately uh, called my dad and we had a nice thir- <laughs> yeah. we had a thirty See, that's minute conversation. That's the goal. That was- that's the goal right there. We want we, we want you to hear that song. And go, man. What there's nothing worse than being stuck in traffic in Dallas with your dead son in your car. Oh. That is hell. So you call your parents. <laughs> you know, like try, try, try not to be that guy. Yeah, it's uplifting. <laughs> try yeah, try not try not to kill your kid. <laughs> yeah, try. Uh, yeah, put in some effort into that. Um, well, on that note, though, uh, on the sardonic note that we're on right now, <laughs> you you know, you did say that you think there's a certain darkness about the part of the country you live in, and I want to touch on that a little bit, man, because uh, you know, I'm I'm a lifelong Long Island resident. I'm from up here. I've gone on tour several times with my different bands. I've been and I've been through Oklahoma City. I've been through Texas. I've been through that that region. Uh, I think you mentioned the Rolling Plains and described it that way. Um, you know, I only know what I what I've seen. 
uh, the kind of dark, lonely highways and and uh, and plains and farms. Um, you know, I'm sure we all have different bits of folklore and, and urban legends that we might associate with, with that region of the country. Could you speak to a little bit about what, what you're inferring? Yeah, I just mean, well, for me, the other three guys, they, they grew up in more rural, rural areas. I, I grew up in the city here, which, I mean, Oklahoma City, even though we're in Oklahoma, I mean, it's still a city. I mean, there's still skyscrapers here and, and sprawl and all that stuff. But even there, it's just like, it's just a lot of, you know, strip malls and, like, you'll just be, you know, there's just, like, an oil derrick right next to a Sonic next to an elementary school, and that's just, like, the whole city, <laughs> you know? It's just, it's stuff like that. It's just, like, this weird, like, very not attractive architecture mixed with, you know, it's just so flat here. And then not to mention, I mean, we live in a place that gets just destroyed by tornadoes, and... So it's like you're living in a place that, like, the weather's trying to kill you. Everything's kind of ugly. I mean, Oklahoma itself, like, it just so happens that Oklahoma City is in, like, the least uh, picturesque part of the state. Like, if you go out west, you're, there's, like, the dunes out there and mesas, and it, it looks more, you know, wild west. And if you're in the east, there's the Ozark Mountains. But it just so happens that Oklahoma City is kind of just in a big fucking field with nothing around for a couple hundred miles. And so it's just, you know... It's just, uh, I don't know, that mixed with, you know, there's a big meth problem here, big, you know, when you live in cities like this, I mean, I know it affects everywhere, but when you live in a place that there isn't as much stuff to do, it's, you know, easier to kind of, there's just a lot of that side of it as well, and it's just, I don't know, there's just a seediness to this part of the country a little bit that, you know, I mean, I love Oklahoma, but it's just, it's a weird place, because, you know, we're not, we're not really like Texas, but we're not really like Kansas either, or Missouri, it's just all rooted also in weird like kind of outlaw shit here because i mean oklahoma was you know it was no man's land and then indian territory during the civil war and stuff it wasn't even you know part of the north or south that just people wanted to come here because they didn't want to be told what to do so there's there's also just this like weird like i don't know like libertarian air to this place as well that is just like it's not as it's not really the south here it's just this weird <laughs> new place built in a place that isn't very pretty that the weather just wants to destroy every five years you know mm, that's wow you just you just painted quite a picture <laughs> um, and I never pictured the, the family from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as uh, libertarian but it, it <laughs> kind of makes yeah, sense. It, yeah it makes perfect sense yeah I, I had this uh, I had this rosy picture of Oklahoma growing up because all I knew was Jim Ross <laughs> yeah Right. Oh, um, of course. And then the you know, touring through <laughs> He's Oklahoma. Still, he lives in Norman. He lives down the road. Great guy, I hear. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Big wrestling fans. Oh yeah. Well, on this podcast, we talk a little wrestling yeah. from time to time. I, I've fallen off. I, I mean, I liked wrestling when I was younger. Obviously, I mean, again, I'm 31, so it was like height of like Degeneration X when I was in like middle school and stuff, and you know that 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 all ruled, but. I, I haven't really kept up on it as much anymore. But, yeah, old Jim Ross, he's, he's down in Norman. If you go to the, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners games, the college football team, you'll see him on the sideline right next to Toby Keith. Oh, yeah, dude's doing that. He's breakdancing in the end zones, I'm sure. Well, uh, he had to bring Toby Keith into it. Now, just, just, Justin's are, like, buying his plane ticket on his phone as we're talking. I, no, I have nothing. I have no affiliation with Toby Keith. But I'm 33, and uh, getting wrestling, again, Jim Ross is back in the public eye. Um, yeah. But, yeah, this this is not to diminish uh, – 
the <laughs> very vivid pa- uh, painting uh, that you had yeah. just uh, brushed on. Yeah. Yeah, um, I grew up uh, in a, a, a suburb of the city, south side of the city called Moore, which Moore, Oklahoma is like uh, our, our biggest claim to, our two biggest claim to fames are uh, our city's been hit by two F5 tornadoes, which are the, the strongest type of tornadoes in God. 1999 and in 2013. So we're just like famous for being destroyed. And then, uh, and and Toby Keith is from here. So if you drive down the highway, if you just go up I-35, which is like the main north-south highway, you just see a big water tower that says, welcome to Moore, home of Toby Keith. <laughs> like every day on my commute, and it wow. just is ridiculous. It's well, been there for years, too. I mean, it's had to have been on that on that tower for 15 years or more. With, with all that in mind, and I got, you know, I'm trying to think too, I don't know a lot of music, um, extreme music from, from the area. Can you talk to, to us a little bit about what, what it was like? I know you said you split a lot of your time with Buffalo and Oklahoma City, but, um, and the other members are from lifelong residents of Oklahoma, so to speak, I guess you could say. Um, what, what was it like growing up and trying to get into punk, hardcore, metal, anything of that nature? Uh, in, in that area, I mean, did, did touring bands come through there? Was it easier to have access to records? And um, did the more conservative uh, mind state um, maybe of, of authority figures play a role? I mean, I've always felt really lucky that I just, one, I had like, so uh, my mom was always very supportive of like letting me go to shows and I was probably too young to be going to the type of shows I was going to you know she would take me and my friends up to the north side to you know dropping off her like 14 year old son to go see some like you know weird grindcore band play in a warehouse you know like I'm still just so very so grateful that uh you know I had like I was able to have a parent that wasn't like you gotta stop doing that or you know it's or being kind of weirded out by the extremeness of it but it's actually surprisingly easy I mean it wasn't it, it wasn't like there was a ton of like amazing touring bands coming through. There were, you know, even then there's still like, I guess it's just been this way for 20 years, but a lot of metalcore bands coming through and like weirdly a lot of like ska bands and stuff. But the uh, the local scene was really tight. So, I mean, there's so many bands that was like never broke through or never really made it on a national scale, but were like really important to a lot of people around here. And I mean, it felt like I was going to, you know, DIY shows like three, four nights a week in Oklahoma City and you know just seeing cool stuff and it's like it's not it wasn't like you know i was seeing you know big touring bands coming through uh you know sometimes you know you'd get like the really big ones you know if like fucking lincoln park came to town you'd go see him at the zoo amphitheater or something but like you know uh uh but there was this there was a big grindcore scene here and uh, specifically like like old screamo like you know the the more like traditional type screamo not the um from first to last type screamo but uh there's this, a big scene for that here and one of the main venues that everyone would go to there was a great record store next door and uh yes yeah, so, i mean a big portion of my growing up at least in oklahoma city and in, in middle school was you know going to shows at this place called the conservatory and then going next door to size records and like smoking cigarettes and <laughs> getting into trouble and doing shit i shouldn't do and just i don't know it was i i felt you know I felt lucky. I, I hear, you know, people in other cities that are, you know, smaller cities that didn't have that experience and maybe felt like there really wasn't a scene in their town. But that, I mean, despite Oklahoma City being a weird place and, you know, being smaller, it's just, it always has had like a really active uh, punk and hardcore scene and, you know, screamo scene and stuff. Uh, 
it's still, still, I mean, it's not like there's a ton of bands that have like super broke through. I mean, uh, there's bands like The Tooth, who I love, and Primal Brain, and Inferna. They're all bands that are doing cool stuff around here, but uh, it's all just, it's all still just very kind of playing here, playing in Tulsa, maybe, you know, North Texas, you know, where we're at in the country. It's just, it's hard to get out east and it's hard to get out west, you know? It's yeah. just, we're so far from either coast that it's kind of like, it kind of just has to be regional bands, you know, around here. That's, uh, I mean, obviously there, there's a multitude of reasons why that could be frustrating, but it also sounds, um, uh, it sounds attractive in a way too to have a local scene where the bands take on more importance maybe because you're not, there, there aren't, there's not as many opportunities for national acts to come into the area or for local bands to break out of the area you know what i mean maybe, maybe just it's, it's it's it sounds like you're painting a picture maybe of a more tight-knit local scene because of those uh issues yeah i mean it was definitely i, I mentioned at the early in the, earlier in the show that you know we're doing a show next month uh a benefit show for a new space here in town a new diy space just because i mean you know in 2003 2004 2005 and earlier than that you know there was a lot of places like that around here and now now there are fewer i mean a lot of that is due to covid and stuff like that it's just i mean it's kind of hard to maintain rent on a on a space like that when you can't have shows and uh the people running those kind of shows were definitely more willing to uh take the pandemic seriously i mean i'll, I'll say this you know very different in Oklahoma than New York in the pandemic stuff just because, I mean, we've been fully open since June of 2020. Like, it's not like we just reopened after, you know, this summer. Like, it, you could do whatever, you know, shows were happening last summer here. You know, fully, no masked, everything. And, like, you know, I wasn't going to any of those and, you know, any of the bands that I would want to see weren't really playing any of those shows because, you know, it's just... <laughs> I don't know. I don't really want to go catch COVID seeing some blues rock band play red, you know, country music or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it was, it was cool. I mean, there, there were like, you know, I, the subhumans came through here. I remember seeing them back in the day and, you know, like I said, lots of touring ska bands, like the toasters came here like a million times, which is like super weird, but, uh, it was, I don't know. I definitely saw some cool bands and stuff, uh, back in the day, but it definitely was, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like I missed out on anything honestly, growing up. I mean, especially living in, I know Buffalo is a long way from the city, but, uh, you know, even spending time in New York City and spending time in other places, like, it's it's awesome, but I don't feel like, man, I wish I would have grown up somewhere else, you know? I don't I don't have any of that in me at all, so. All right, man. Well, that, that, that's that's cool, man. It's, yeah, it sounds like maybe um, not what some of us would have a preconceived notion of, man, uh, but what none of us have a preconceived notion of, I don't think, is your upcoming full-length album next year, 2022, on Flens... Uh, is it Flesner Records? The Flenser. Flenser, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, the Flenser. Uh, and uh, could you could you just give us a little insight, whatever you can reveal, um, as to this full-length uh, that we're expecting from Chat Pile next year? Maybe in terms of uh, have you have you decided to change anything with the sound as compared to the previous recordings? Anything you're building on? Anything interesting about the process itself? Uh, yeah, I mean, I th the biggest difference really just with this and the, the EPs is that we've just taken more time on it. I mean, we really put out those first two EPs pretty quick. I mean, the first song that our bassist and I 
even ever jammed. Like our first, you know, if you even want to call it practice, it was literally me going to his house and seeing if, I mean, you guys know how it is. Like just because you like the same music and you could both play music doesn't mean you can play music together. So, you know, we went over there and he played the bass line to Dallas Beltway. Like he, that was the first thing we ever jammed and that was on the second EP. Uh, so, I mean, we really just like got those eight songs done pretty quick. And then pretty much since then, we've just been, you know, there's songs on this record. There's two songs specifically on this record that, you know, we've been working on since around the time of those EPs that just didn't like make it onto those two. Um, but no, I mean, I think we just, uh, it's definitely a little more, I don't want to say complicated because that maybe has a negative uh, connotation, but uh, we, we're less concerned now with, before I only wanted it, since I'm the only guitarist in the band, we really only wanted to do stuff that we would fully be able to do live with one guitarist. So I, you know, I doubled my guitar parts, but I never really wrote second guitar parts. Uh, but on the album, there are definitely second guitar parts. We, we kind of just got a little bit more, a little bit more layering, stuff like that. Uh, I'm really proud of it. I, I think, pe I mean, if people liked our EPs, I just, I just don't see how they're not going to like the LP just because, I mean, I feel like it's a pretty clear continuation of what we were trying to do with that stuff and i say maybe it's a little less funny than the out than the eps because i mean there's some funny moments you know we have this, the semi body to rv's shit on the first ep <laughs> and like you know we're mentioning uh you know drew carey and stuff like that and there's just there's you know there's always some kinds of like uh, uh you know dark humor in it a little bit but you know there's still some of that on the album but it, it probably is just maybe a little bit more serious a, a little some more political themes going on in the lyrics a bit as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out. You know, we, we finished it not too long ago, and uh, I, I just, you know, I've been listening to it, and I'm just, I'm very excited for people to hear it. I just, you know, I just want it to come out. <laughs> and, and what, do you have a release date? We don't right now. So basically, we're, I mean, we're just at the whims of the, of the vinyl production delays right now, like a lot of bands are. I mean... We're just, uh, our label and ourselves, you know, we're just not really wanting to do pre-orders on physical, so we're just really trying to kind of sync it up for when we actually get the physical merch in, specifically vinyl and stuff. Uh, so I, I, I hope towards the beginning of the year, you know, uh, okay. it's just we kind of don't have a timeline more so any finer than that just because we're at we're really just at the whim of the final production plants right now you know like yeah we've just, heard that we've heard that from a lot of artists and a lot of labels lately um about that so it's unfortunate but um yeah i mean i heard taylor swift is having to wait nine months to get her records pressed so i mean if she if she's waiting that long i don't think they're really bumping chat pile up the list you know what i mean <laughs> so. yeah that 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 speaks to it right there man that, maybe that, she's the problem yeah, um, actually, honestly, it's weird. You know, I, we can't get our record pressed very uh, soon, but for some reason, the estate of Nirvana can put out an 8LP collection right now. I saw that coming out. Wow. It's like, they're getting like an 8LP Nirvana collection. Like, it's just so weird. It's I, like, I, I got know, no these problem. legacy bands with these huge vinyl releases. Yeah, I, like, I have no on. problem with Nirvana, but I mean, eight records. It's and I've seen this with Death Metal, where they put out like a band's classic album and demo and then they fill up two other LPs, two other yeah. records with like rehearsals and live stuff from from back in the day. It's like we don't need that. Just the double LP was fine. You didn't have to throw two other records into that package. It's just... Yeah, or at least just do it as like I don't know. I don't mind if a band does like just like a like a B sides compilation or something. Or like yeah. you know, there's there's lots of bands that have like done stuff like that. But yeah, it's just. <laughs> 
when I saw, I mean, I love Nirvana personally. Like, they're a huge fan for me. But when I saw they're doing like an eight LP set of Nevermind, it's what? like, it's just of Nevermind, too. What? It's not their Wait, whole catalog. What? Yeah, I like, thought what it was the whole catalog. Yeah. It's just a one album. It, yeah, it's like, what? Do, how do you fill? Come on. How many rehearsals and demos? And just call Dave Grohl. Enough. He'll tell you everything. <laughs> yeah, one of the records is just Dave Grohl talking. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's him just <laughs> different no, speeds no. talking about the Foo Fighters. All right, well, this one's a seventy-eight. We got Luther <laughs> Manhole from Chatpile talking right now, not Dave Grohl. And Luther, uh, we appreciate your time. We're looking forward to that new LP whenever it is out, hopefully. Yes. Uh, but right now, we always close out. Uh, we before we close out, we always ask every guest to recommend one new album and one old album by any artist they like, metal or otherwise, just for a cool recommendation. Whew, okay, new album. Um, let's see. For this year, I mean, I guess if it doesn't have to be metal, I'm actually, I'm a dork that uses Rate Your Music a lot, and I, my brain is mush, so I'm just going to put up, pull up what I've even heard from this year. Uh, my friend's band uh, from Buffalo, uh, they're in a, a kind of a doom sludge band called Yanari, which is Y-A-N-A-R-I. They have an album called Bottom of the Universe that I've, I just really loved. Uh, I'm a big fan of bands like Crowbar and I Hate God and, and that kind of stuff and they're kind of doing that thing and that that came out in August uh, and I, I really love that and I guess man an, an old album that I want to I want to prop up let me think uh, I mean everyone should be listening to if you haven't heard wrong by no means no i've been jamming that album a ton lately listen to no means no listen to all their records they're so good and if you like chat pile even though they don't really sound like anything like us i i feel like you would like no means no they're amazing canadian uh hardcore punk band okay i'm not familiar to be perfectly honest with you i, I don't front uh but yeah I, I will i will put that on my list yeah interesting. wrong is their album it's not on i i don't think it's on even on Bandcamp, <laughs> so it's a little hard to find but Okay. Uh, they're just awesome. I mean, if you like a rhythm section at all, like their bassist and drummer are just so nuts, and uh, they're just a huge influence for me. We're we're all like rhythm guys in our band, and so any band that is just like really strong on the rhythm section is something that I'm interested in. So I tend to kind of gravitate towards that stuff. Okay, yeah, I will check that out, man. I put that on my list, man. And Yanari, uh, Doom Sludge yeah. Band from Buffalo, New York. We will look into that too, man. Okay. Um, Luther Manhole of Chatpile, we appreciate your time. Thank you for talking uh, not only about your band, but about your region of the country. I was very interested in a lot of that stuff and about your history. We wish you the best um, with this upcoming album on the... It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's The Flesner? The Flenser. The Flenser. I, I'm, I'm an idiot. The Flenser. Okay. <laughs> the Flenser. Yeah, I'm not right. trying to be funny with the, with the label's name here. God bless him. Okay, the, on The Flenser, your upcoming album from 2022. And people can... You do have a band camp, unlike No Means Nope, uh, allegedly. Chad yes. Pyle's uh, band camp, you can look for the first two four-song EPs, the cover of Roots, Bloody Roots, which is highly recommended, um, and your split uh, release with Portrayal of Guilt, which I imagine is also awaiting that, that vinyl... Uh, that gr- that great vinyl uh, dam to be to be uh, bust forth and let loose the vinyl on the world. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just waiting on that as well. That that is in the queue to be produced. So that'll be coming out sometime in the near future. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Chatpile.bandcamp.com. We're on you know Twitter and Instagram. We're we're pretty active on those. So if you want to, uh, don't be weird. 
say nice things to us, <laughs> but we, we're, we're good at, uh, at responding to people, so. Okay, and, and uh, uh, just any parting words for fans of Chatpile and listeners of our show? Uh, yeah, it would take $20 billion to get rid of all home, like, to home all unhoused people in America, and we spend $100 billion on racist police killing people, so, I don't know. Uh, I think it's something we should all think about a lot, uh, how a lot of these issues would be insanely easy to solve just by just allocating things differently. That's about all I got. Okay, um, nuance, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But... We, uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, we thank you. We're going to be looking out for that new chat pile LP, uh, Luther Mantle. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Okay, Luther Manhole of Chatpile was our guest. Thank you very much to him for his time. We appreciate it. And I am denying those allegations that I am the reason why Taylor Swift has to wait a convenient nine months for the vinyl. I I, I had nothing to do with that, sir. I mean, her album's probably great. Yeah. But who cares? A yeah. lot of people wait nine months for worse things. Uh, Maury, I'll wait five minutes for Maury Povich to tell me I'm not the father. Listen... Heavy whole podcast, uh, but what I do feel like I am the father of, in some respect, uh, are are well, I'm, not, I'm not our listeners' father. That's weird. That's that, that's kind of got that got weird. That, that is I'm a the, heady. I'm yeah. the father of our uh, mm-hmm. voicemail um, line. I'm the I'm the father of our our, our idea. That's I, right. Because it's like a confessional where you're the father. The, the father listens to you. Yeah. Could, do we well, have do we was, have voicemails? You want me to owe play? you anything? He owes you nothing. He's not going to play I, catch with you. I went from He's being not paying for your lunch. A megalomaniacal guy who thinks I'm the father of all of our listeners to a yeah. priest listening to you. I don't know what I'm doing right now. No. Is, Will, as listen, get as me le- out of Creepland. As your legal counsel, <laughs> you don't listen. He doesn't owe you anything. You don't have to answer. I'm going to need legal counsel with these goddamn metaphors I'm coming up with. Tom, do we have voicemails? <laughs> yeah, we got a few. All right, hit me, Jesus. What's up, what's up, what's up? Bobby's back in the house. Ah, First of all, I want to vehemently thank you guys for playing my voicemail on the last podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I felt honored to hear my own voice on a podcast of this caliber. And uh, thanks for all your compliments, too. I feel the love. Hey, speaking of voices, uh, of course, you all have beautiful voices as well. Especially uh, Artie B-Boy over there, Big Will. But uh, I actually have a memory that I started thinking about when you were complimenting me on my voice. That's segment. Louisville Death Fest 2015. I was definitely there. It was definitely a great fucking show. I missed Death Fest. We're probably, unfortunately, not going to have another Louisville Death Fest due to some alleged uh, poor promoting practices from uh, Shit Fest 2017. Uh, I know Artificial Brain played that one too, so you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, back in Louisville Death Fest 2015, shout out to Danny from Malignancy. 
Danny was talking about you on stage during their performance. You might remember this. And he said, Will has a voice that, that I love, and he sounds like a lion in heat trying to butt fuck your dad. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. I'll never forget that. Let that imagery sink in. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, love you guys. And before I jump off here, I'll drop another album suggestion that I always spin, and I think that this record deserves the cobwebs to be wiped off of it. It's the band Benumb, B-E-N-U-M-B, okay. and their 2003 relapse record album, By Means of an Upheaval. It's very violent, very aggressive, very socioeconomic and politically concerned, and I definitely highly recommend you all and any of the listeners to check that out. And I also did some research and found out that the members are also part of two other great bands, uh, Agenda of Swine and Vulgar Pigeons. Right. So definitely check all that shit out. Thanks, guys. Wow. Bobby. Bobby. I'm about to just give the, the whole brand to Bobby, and he can study. He did his research this time. Figured out the other bands the guys were. I mean, this is this guy's too much, and uh, and you know not not only the voice. Uh, I don't want to. Am I a little cliche for bringing it? I, but we were just talking about Jim Ross. Bobby's got a, a kind of like, you know, uh, uh, cook it up home style. Um, uh, Sunday afternoon at the game, just kind of uh, a way of keeping it real with you, man. Yep. And it's yeah, it's just a very he that. that all right, that Bobby. man, he could call catches catch can wrestling. For yeah, sure, he, he can tackle drop down, uh, you know, hip toss with the best of them. Yeah, he no, I gotta say, Bobby's got that on lock and bring it, bringing me down memory lane, Louisville Death Fest. Um, I hope there's another Louisville Death Fest booked by a competent pr- promoter. Um, the the two thousand it was a, it was a wash. I think I've told the story once before on the podcast, but it was crazy. I mean, the guy didn't even show up uh, who booked it, and um, yeah, it was you know so, some well intentioned people kind of held it down, and bands got paid something and got to you know perform and, and you know sell some merch. But it was it was a little wild, wild and woolly out there. Uh, but I, I I do hope they get that Louisville Death Fest back. Danny from Malignancy always saying something making me uncomfortable. Um, he's funny. Yeah, he he's, really is. He's he's funny, but sometimes it's it's yeah. at my expense. Yeah, well, makes it, makes me sad. Well, no, I, I think I'm it was an odd compliment. It was an odd mm-hmm. compliment. Yeah, all right, all right I'll take it. I'm yeah, a lion in heat. That yeah. butt fucks your dad. I, I, we started this whole thing with me claiming to be everyone's dad, and we're in some weird territory. It now, was something man. in the heat of the moment with the promoter, the father of the show, not there. Why is? And I'm sure he just mixed it all up. But right. again, Will, you don't have to answer this. I, yeah, thank you, legal you don't have counsel. To answer this. Okay, thank you, Bobby, again for the voicemail. We appreciate you out there, man. All right, next one. I just wanted to say that it's false that you can't impress girls with metal. From experience, I just wanted to uh, say that in reference to a comment Tom made on Rose Morning. So you can impress girls with metal. You can. Is okay. Travis talking shit about metal again? No, I was. <laughs> God damn it, Tom. That's what I do. This, whatever the conversation was, yeah. does, does not necessarily re- 
represent the viewpoints of the heavy old podcast. No, not the heavy. Me, is, not the podcast. Yeah. I love, by the way, I just want to add, it's the most death metal, the most underground death metal thing in the world that the one woman who leaves a voicemail on our show is for Rose Tomorrow. It's for a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes, yeah. That's, That's good. We it, still got it's our, not like she's listening to the no, show. She, we, we still got street cred. Listen, she went out there. She made her point. Um, what point is that? I don't know. I don't know because there was no elaboration at all. <laughs> I think is this a personal story? Is this somebody that you heard of one time? Well, uh, did you see a girl in black hair and thought she, maybe she might be impressed by death metal, but this is not you? I don't know. I don't know. I think women are impressed by metal if it's an attractive dude that's like, you know, yeah, playing or talking about the metal or providing the metal. You know, it's you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember my original comment, and uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm standing by it. Okay, I'm standing by my original comment. Okay. Um, One day you, I hope to experience this. Okay, you, I well, who, and who is the caller? They leave uh, she didn't say her name. Smart move on yeah. the podcast. That's right. Smart move. All right. Well, I'm not going to thank her for the call. Just call the Roast Mortem. Does Roast Mortem have a hotline? What's I've told th- people to call this line a couple times. Uh, Whoa, my lawyer's here. <clears throat> my lawyer's yeah. here. I don't think you should yeah. be telling anyone no, to call No, you don't have phone. to answer this. Well, yeah. I've already put my personal number out there as your legal counsel. All these things should be filtered through me. There is one guy texting me, and I'm not going to text you back ever. Not until you uh, start using proper case uh, in your in your. Uh, in your words that you're saying. No. Grammar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the first letter of the word is capitalized in each sentence, and then a period, and so on. Mm. Okay. I'm, I'm scared. You right. know what I mean? <sighs> you know what I mean? He owes you nothing. Thank you. You owe me another voicemail, because that one wasn't for Heavy Hole Podcasts. <laughs> that one was. <laughs> Absolutely. Continuing. The hello. It's uh, Vito Vitali over here. And I'm just calling you guys, uh, you know, I get a little uh, worked up sometimes. My old lady, she tells me I got to listen to the heavy old podcast. Brings back the memories of the nice good old times. Uh, you know, you turned me on to this kid. I think he's a real good kid. He's got the little memes. Got the Jimmy from the block on the YouTube. There's a nice little thing. He makes people laugh with the meme. I get it, the kids. Uh, I saw some today. I parked the Escalade up there at the park just to take a break for a minute. And he's got a picture of the classic death metal album Destined for Defilement by Flesh Grind on Pulverizer Records. And uh, making uh, accusations maybe that the album is a little bit less than a classic death metal album. I don't understand what's wrong with the kids, to be honest with you, Big Will. Uh... But I, I just I, I want this, I want the kids to really understand that this classic album Destined for Defilement by Flesh Grind it really it captured a lot of the best elements of the classic Midwest brutal death metal scene and perhaps mixed them with some of the more brutal rhythmic elements of East Coast death metal from the nineties and I just think Big Will is the best so that's it Vito Vitali not from Long Island New York checking in wow that smart guy yeah wow you got a lot of opinion I, I like that guy. Concise. Yeah, yeah. I like, and he he likes me, so we're we're off we're on a roll. Um, Approved. Yeah, 100%. I you know I don't know. I don't have time to look uh, on Instagram and you know follow Facebook and all this. But Vito Vitali brought up a point, so I did have to go check. I probably wouldn't have brought this to the show otherwise. Uh, Vito Vito brought it up, yeah. so I'll, I'll address it for him. I feel safer because this is the least threatening. 
yeah. of the uh, Italian vowel ended, yeah, last name uh, sort of uh, voice, voicemails that we've got. Well, there. he did mis- he did say he's not from Long Island at the at the uh, he maybe that was weird. That he's far he's far away from me. It's yeah. Staten Island. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Regardless, uh, he brings up an interesting point. I I did the research. I went back and I looked what he was talking about. We did have Jimmy Forrester, Jimmy from the Block YouTube, and extreme uh, metal memes demand extreme posting here on. Uh, uh, the show a while back, and I would keep in touch, you know. I saw something on the page there. I saw a little meme. Vito wasn't lying. I went back, and I checked what Vito was talking about. Uh, you vet all this guy's uh, information? What's that? You vet all this man's information? I went back and checked it out. Yeah. I made sure, because this is a serious thing. It was Flesh Grind Destined for Defilement album. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, if I sound a little bit like Vito, it's just... You know, similar accents, maybe no, he's, he's no, a bit from Long Island. I didn't pick that. Up. I yeah, I, 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 yeah, but um, uh, to see people making light of this album, maybe implying that it's not the best in the Flesh Grind catalog, maybe that doesn't even deserve uh, uh, a fair shake. Uh, that hurts me deep down inside. This is a beautiful album that came out uh, when I was a young man, just getting um, steeped in my death metal knowledge and death metal lore. I got to see the band perform the songs from this album several times. Uh, Rich Lipscomb, rest in peace. God bless that man. United Guttural Records. I just got to say this album. Maybe you know. I, I understand. I listen to this album. It's a little stiff. It's a little little stiff. Little you know. They don't swing. I like they stiff. There's no little time. There's no little flow Monier jazz breaks. There's no ghost hits. There's no ghost hits. It's all stiff. You know, real hits. One o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, rock hits. All right, dimensional hits. We'd meet you out by the playground. We'd knock you out. That's the snare drum. That's the drummer right there. Uh, It's a little bit. It's very um, reminiscent of early Broken Hope. Maybe the first two Broken Hope albums. Um, But the thing about it is, they 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 lock in. They lock like a vice grip onto grooves because it's stiff. There's no ghost hits. There's no. There's none of that. You know, classic Long Island interplay. Between the rhythmic kind of hip hop and New York hardcore influence, no drumming, no none of that. Flesh Grind just kept it stiff and and Ohio and Midwest death metal, but they did develop the groove element and the breakdown and the mid tempo element a little bit um, more than a lot of those bands did, I would say. And the vocals, you can't discount. I, I we have Rich Lipscomb. I still have it on a piece of paper on a list of potential people to reach out to we do we can only do so many episodes a yeah. month man i wish we got him before the man passed away god bless his vocals the man uh, you know uh, break down the vocal patterns on that album destined for defilement too man not easy stuff to do when it comes to the breakdowns he's got some of that hip-hop cadence almost that you would associate with internal bleeding in new york style i just think destined for defilement by flesh grind is a perfect marriage of what in the 90s we would have called ohio style and long island style so i'm gonna leave it there i i know it's a meme uh, I'm approaching 40 rapidly, so I do feel I have the right to get unreasonably upset at memes. Mm. Yeah, all right, fair yeah. enough. Absolutely. I also think if there was more stiffness, uh, we wouldn't have all these uh, potholes in the road. I think this. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, uh, damage to the highways uh, all around Long Island has to be uh, from these free rhythmic folk. Mm. Not following Probably. those stiff lines. Yep. Stay on there. Going down the road. Right. One speed. Practice, you know, keep those ankles nice and tight. You don't mm. need to be bouncing these around. You need to ghost note your gas pedal. I think maybe mm. the county comptrollers uh, need to integrate Long Island style and Ohio style into what they do, just like Flesh Grinds did. Well, there you go. 
There's the voicemails for the night, and also a recommendation. Okay. If you that was don't pretty know, sli- slipped in there. Yeah, it did. We got the rec- We got two oh, recommendations. Bobby would be numb. Right. Nice guy, Bobby. I I like Bobby. I like his thing, man. I, li- I like his. Style. I like Bobby too, and um, you know. I sit in front of the computer here, and sometimes when we're having the conversations, like the one we had with Luther tonight, and he's saying how there's not a lot of death metal from Oklahoma, mm. I uh, I used Google.com. That can't be true. And I, I was more amused with uh, what Google was suggesting to me. Um, I wrote death metal from Oklahoma, and uh, there is a metal archives list. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. A Facebook community uh, keeping it real. And then under the people also ask section, first question is, why is death metal so bad? <laughs> so if you have a voicemail that you would like to leave based on that um, why is question, death metal why, so is so why is it so bad? Why is it so bad? Answer that question. People are asking. Why do I hate this? I'm not going to refer to Google for the answer, but yeah. it made me think, why is it? Yeah. death metal is so badass. Yeah. So, it's so fucking. Bye. Yeah. Well, I think I, I don't know how to use um, the internet as well as you, Tom, but I believe I have a list here of Oklahoma-based uh, metal bands. Oh, I have them right here. I, I could read that off too. But uh, yeah, Stiff Richard. Uh, well, talk about Stiff. I, there we go. This, I like him. That is you the, gotta lay your shit in. Stiff synchronicity. Of the universe, right there, um, stiffly applying itself. One of my favorite bands—I I forgot they are from Oklahoma. Broken Flesh, uh, Christian brutal death metal band. Um, it says it says it says deathcore. It says brutal death metal slash deathcore. I'm gonna call Metal Archives out on this. Broken Flesh, um, their album Warbound is the one I'm, I'm thinking of right now, man. I, they, there's not really much core in that sound, and those guys seem like OG death metal guys from the 90s. Um, I don't know, man. Broken Flesh, very good band. Whether, there's whatever, a lot of bands. Whatever spiritual side you're on, man, I just point out they're a Christian band. It's interesting to be. Uh, yeah, I'm looking through this list here, man. There's uh, Great American Desert. That's this is our next bonus episode, just going through every Oklahoma death metal Oklahoma band. Oklahoma Every band on Metallum is our next bonus yeah, episode. Uh, Although, I honestly, I don't the know live a lot stream. of these bands. It's like one of those uh, lo-fi, chill tempo, yeah. chill tempo radios. There is uh, really? Oklahoma. Don't don't forget about Oklahoma's The Kill. Not to be confused with the grindcore band from Australia, I believe, of the same name. All right. The Oklahoma uh, The Kill is a power metal band. There's also a thrash metal Cenotaph. Which, uh, how you doing? Agonizing Rectal Impalement is from Oklahoma. I didn't realize that. Mm. Bass is loaded, but bass is spelled like a bass guitar. That's, oh, that's good. That's, that's nice. That's great. Man. Pitbulls on crack. Carnage. Yeah. Not 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 the carnage, but there is a carnage from Oklahoma. There's a rancid down there. Wow. Oklahoma. Far from sanity, not to be confused with Edge of Sanity. Edge of sanity. Shout out to Dan Swano. Okay, Hate Furnace, not to be confused with Hate Forest. I'm sorry, we can't we can't do this all I'm going to change just... my name to an Oklahoma-inspired uh, Tornado Al. You can just call me Tornado Al from now on. Mm. Uh, I, I would, I would go with talk. first name Torn, last last name Doe, middle Torn. initial A. Torn. Torn A Doe. A Doe Al. I'm Big Will, and I'm going to stop with the dad jokes. That's my pledge to the listeners and to you guys right now for the episode. We appreciate you tuning in and checking out our episode yeah. with none other than Luther Manhole from Chathole. We also, from Chat Pile. Our interview. <laughs> we appreciate you. The- 
We appreciate you tuning in and checking out our interview with other than Luther Manhole from Chatpile. We appreciate his time. I also appreciate Bobby on the check-in. Um, Vito Vital. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I like Vito Vital's perspective on things. He's got a very fresh perspective. Hopefully he checks in again. Man. The, he brings yeah. up topics. The podcast is a bit more shiny when, uh, when he's on. Yeah, the the lady we got uh, the the lady that called who listens to roast mortem. She's obviously a coward. Didn't leave her name. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't mm. listen to our show, but she want to call up our show, yeah. right, Tom? What's with the, what, are you, what are you doing? You know, guys, you guys don't have a phone number. No, we yeah. don't have a phone. I don't want to hear for those. Guys. I don't think that there's any possible way to impress a woman with biographies or epi- or uh, unless eulogies. it's your personal yeah. biography. I don't think there's any uh, eulogy that's ever impressed a woman. Uh, Maybe it made a woman miss somebody, but y'all be missing the point anyway. Wow. I, Justin, I miss you when you're not here, and I thank you for joining us. I thank you for joining us and for your time this evening, too, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and I also thank all the, uh, the women who are listening to Heavy Hole Podcast right now. We know you're out there. We appreciate it, man. We're just cracking jokes, right, Tom? It's all jokes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Just, My I, life is a joke. And you, too, can save the world if you go to uh, patreon.com slash heavyholepodcast. <laughs> and uh, what do you do there? I've never been on Patreon. Patreon, you give us money, you get exclusive content. I only have one Patreon. And Stay it's off not the grid. Heavy Stay off the grid, Justin. <laughs> what, what is it? Some hockey? It's like thing? a fishing it's, podcast. It's uh, it's uh, well, hockey it's is one of the, them. It's the Toby Keith fishing podcast. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, but you can go to uh, you can go to our Patreon. We got the bonus episodes there for you. It's real cute. We got a cute couple of different tiers. You spend you spend what you want. You get what you want. Heavyholepodcast.com. You can still buy a shirt. You can still buy a patch. Uh, you can follow us on all the social medias there. The Instagram, yeah. the Facebook, whatever you want to do. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg's going to stick cute little political ads in between it. We didn't put them there. It's, it's wild out there. It's on got the a lot of powder in, on his face. The Internet's the yeah. Wild West now. The Internet's the Wild West now. Yeah! That's right. All right. A- heavy Hope, is that it? That's it. Okay, anything else? I can, let, can I name... All right, I'm, I'm going to name... Can I name some more Oklahoma bands? Yes. All right. Yeah, uh, well, no, you can just... You can name one. All right. 